Welcome back to the Not Just a Bikini Girl podcast. This is your host, Jasmine Jeffrey, and this is the 100th episode. Oh my God. That sounds mad, like actually mad that I'm going to have to write, or Holly is going to have to write for me. The 100th episode, absolutely madness. But I wanted to do, do you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I was thinking for ages about what to do. Do I do something like special? Do I take like throwbacks? And I thought, no, let's just keep it simple, Jasmine. And let's just do a very to the point Q&A. So you guys can ask any questions you want and we can just crack on. But like, honestly, thank you so much to everyone over the past, like how many years it's been. And all the episodes that everyone supported, um, listened to, given me feedback. Like, it's been, it's weird to think when I first set up this podcast three years ago, where I was then. Didn't have a compact, only competed like a couple of times, was still very new to the industry. But I had like this goal that I wanted to do something different and give something different to the industry and combine my interest and my passions for bodybuilding and the importance of mindset and to provide like I guess a really honest account of my own experiences that could hopefully help others and it's kind of mad like I was even scrolling through all the dms over the years and I just thought this is like crazy because the amount of people I've met who are now my really good friends as well from this podcast alone it's just it's the best gift ever so I just wanted to say before I start on the questions like the biggest thank you it means a lot it means the world there's still so many things that I want to do with this podcast and I'm very very excited actually because I have now the lovely Holly that's going to be helping me edit my podcast which is hopefully going to give me a bit more time freed up to focus on the other projects that I really want to bring into this podcast so I'm going to get right into it now So let's get right into it. I'm going to go straight on to my personal IG first, but I put the question little box up and we'll take it from there. So I'm I'm not going to say names just in case they want to stay anonymous. I can never say that word, but stay hidden. Let's let's just say that. (laughs) So first one, always interested in tips for backstage at shows. Might sound vague, but like any advice. So... Main advice, I would say, is try and set up shop as early as possible. So find your little, like, corner, plank your suitcase there. And it sounds a bit harsh, like, own the space because it can get a little bit cramped and it's nice to kind of know you've got your own little corner that you can kind of rely on. So try and find, I think, a corner is always better. Find somewhere where you can get the extension cable locked in, a little mirror, maybe like a window sometimes. Um, But yeah, definitely set up shop as quickly as possible. I know some people like to spend time with like everyone on show day, like friends and family, but I do personally find that you are, I've found that I am a lot less stressed when I am just backstage chilling, Um, especially with all the other girls, obviously taking photos, having a bit of a laugh. If I've left it too last minute because I'm too worried about everyone else, um, I do find myself a little bit more stressed than usual. So set up shop as soon as you can. Get backstage as early as possible. Because then as well, like you're kind of in the loop with what's going on. So you won't get left behind. That's like another big thing. And just make sure you have a giggle and have a laugh. Take like take loads of photos. Have some good banter. Um, and just really enjoy the backstage experience. Because for me, 
backstage experiences have been some of the highlights more than the actual show like the stage itself so they would probably be my top tips that I would give for that one next question how to involve partners in prep process more and tackling social events okay so tackling social events it's such a tricky one it really just depends on how like laid back and easy it is so what I mean by that if your friends are really relaxed really chilled not really bothered um really really supportive then tackling social events shouldn't be a big like thing it should be kind of like freestyle um and it shouldn't really be like a big thing it's only when you've got people that make you feel uncomfortable or make things awkward and if to be really honest if that's the case then I would I would personally just avoid them (laughs) I would personally just avoid them because you don't really want people like that especially if this is going to be like a long-term thing for you like you don't want to be dealing with that hassle of feeling like you have to tackle social events instead of just going to social events do you know what I mean but saying that I would just personally for me I would even make it like a big thing I would even if you take out yourself Tupperware I would even make that much comment about it if I'm always if I'm ever at like a work do or um like a wedding or you know, somewhere where they're catering I won't even say that I'm prepping because most of the time they don't understand what the hell you're about and they just think you're being awkward so I usually just say I've got really strict dietary requirements I have to have X or I have to have Y or I have really bad dietary requirements. I've just bought my own food because it's easier. And that usually like kind of reduces <laughs> the um, back and forth for people. And they're kind of like, oh, OK, that's fine, because they rather just not kind of ask and be rude. So <laughs> in terms of that, definitely just say I've got dietary requirements. It saved me a lot of hassle in um, in previous prep situations. So involving your partner more in the process, I would say it depends on if it's, I don't know. So my husband, for example, is very much in the bodybuilding industry. So I find it a lot easier to involve him because he kind of gets it. So I can talk to him about certain elements. But at the same time, I know there are certain elements that he's just not going to be that bothered about if you have steps to do I think that's quite a nice way to involve your partner in because then you can always just say do you fancy spending some time together do you fancy going for a walk do you fancy going for a coffee trying to involve them in that way and as much as you can you know going to the cinema going out for food still even if the worst case scenario is you bring her in Tupperware, it's like still making an effort and not becoming too much of a hermit obviously sometimes that can't be avoided but they're probably the main things that I would say for involving a partner in the process. Also as well, I'd say maybe kind of trying to make the effort still and like booking somewhere maybe afterwards. It doesn't have to be anything like outrageous, but you know, making sure you spend time together, that sort of thing. But I think involving family members, um, friends and family, I think it's a lot easier in a way because you can kind of show them like the glamorous stuff. That's what I tend to do because no one really wants to like hear about the nitty gritty stuff. They just want to hear about the sparkly stuff. So I always involve my friends in like hair, makeup, bikini, like color, bikini design, all that sort of thing. And that's kind of what like pricks their ears up. If I talk about anything else, then they're really just not bothered. So <laughs> yeah, they'll probably be the main things.
Next one, photo shoot prep, photographer, clothes, etc. Right, 100%, you need to get yourself a mood board. 100%, get yourself on Pinterest. Pinterest is the one. And just start, like, collecting ideas. So before you even decide on a photographer, before you even decide on clothes, like, anything, get your mood board set up. Even, like, get some Instagram saves and create them into, like, their own separate folder. That's what I tend to do as well. If you want to get someone else involved, because then you can kind of collaborate and have fun together and have a, like, really, really chill day. I always think it's quite nice when you've got someone else because then you can bounce off each other. Also, you can kind of, like, they can do, like, a little photo shoot bit, then you can do one that you can alternate and grab, like, behind-the-scenes stuff for each other. So definitely try and get someone else involved also because as well you can maybe save a bit of money because you'd be maybe splitting the costs potentially I don't know in terms of photographer I'd always probably say the people that I've like done stuff with I would always recommend so in terms of like choosing a photographer I would I would go for someone that you think you're gonna vibe well with always look at not just like their most recent stuff but maybe stuff that they've done the last couple of months to kind of get an idea of the sort of like look that you want to go for I'm gonna say this as well because I've had some photographers try and charge me ridiculous money I know you know it's very personal dependent you know it's their art it's their craft I get that but um, I would personally, this is my, again, I'm saying my own personal opinion. I think if someone's trying to charge you over £400 and it's not even in a studio, I would question that because I would personally think that's a little bit too expensive because you've got to consider as well, when you're doing a photo shoot, you're not just paying for the photographer, you're paying for the clothes, you're paying for the tan, you're paying for the outfits, you know, travel, all that sort of stuff. So in my own personal opinion, if someone's trying to charge you over £400, and you may be getting like five images, then I would I would personally try and find someone else <laughs> because I just think that's a little bit too much. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give the blog link which I created, which goes through posing, top tips, what you need to bring, all that sort of thing. But yeah, just have fun with it. And if you can, try and book maybe two photographers because then you kind of you build up confidence and a little bit of momentum like as you go forward so yeah I hope that helps but I'm gonna leave the blog post because I think that's probably gonna be the best way to go about it okay next one if you could go back to the beginning of this podcast what is the one thing you would tell yourself um that is such a good question I don't know if I'd tell myself anything but I would definitely I definitely would have invested in bringing people on board quicker. Like, I didn't realise it was going to grow into the thing that it has now. But if I would have known that, I probably would have invested in, like, an editor. And do you know what I mean? Like, bringing more people to help me with, like, the logistics side of the podcast. Because initially, I just thought the podcast was just going to be, you know, quite, like, like, a hobby sort of thing. I didn't think compact was going to take that much of my time. Whereas now I'm at the position where my hands are in a lot of different like pies. So for me, I think I would tell myself to invest in bringing more people on board. Because then I know that I would have been able to probably be a bit more consistent in the past. When things got really, really busy, the podcast would be the first thing to shut down, unfortunately. But I am getting a lot better at getting on board with that. 
I think because I didn't have any preconceived ideas of what the podcast was going to be, I just knew that I wanted to have an avenue to connect with different people, talk about my own honest experiences. I didn't really tell myself anything. I just kind of went with it. Like, and I think I've said this before, but I didn't even look at any analytics until six months in. Granted, I didn't actually know where the analytics was. which makes a big difference. But I think because I didn't do that, and I didn't focus on that, I just focused on getting the content out there. It just meant I was focused on the right thing instead of kind of being, oh my God, like only X amount of people have listened, blah, blah, blah. And I always say that to people that are starting a new podcast, do not look at the analytics because your focus should be on the feedback you get you know, how authentic it is. And don't get too obsessed with like the audio quality and all that sort of stuff. Because I think if you over, if you overthink those areas, then it might stop you from putting the podcast out there and getting the content out there. I think I've learned to kind of not be too afraid of things not being perfect. If I say um a lot, or I kind of like go over my words, you know what I mean? All those sort of things. So yeah, hope that helps. Next one, fave moments of guests and why? So this person has actually like asked this question, has been a guest before twice. So obviously Beth Scott <laughs> is a fave uh, guest. But in all seriousness, I love having Scottish people on my podcast. I just feel like they have a certain like level of banter that you just can't find with anyone else. Um, <laughs> so I'd probably say that has been quite a highlight. In terms of fave moments... Oh, there's been so, it's so hard because there's been like I probably interviewed maybe thirty or forty people, probably even more than that. So if I miss people out on this, it is not intentional. But if I had to like pluck something out of my head, I would say the most recent one with Destiny about battling cancer, and Christina actually. That's from quite a while back, but that podcast as well. She came through cancer well she battled through cancer and she steps on stage and those two episodes have been the most inspiring for me and been ones that really really stuck with me and so Miami Pro I remember sitting in my car at the back of St Albans Arena and listening to Christina's episode the one that we did together and it really got me into like that sassy carefree sort of mindset but yeah it's really hard because it's it's amazing the friends that I've made through this podcast. I never, ever expected that to happen. So, yeah, I really couldn't say. But obviously, Beth, you're, uh, you're bae, so we, we cool, we cool. Okay, next question. This is so interesting. These questions are really good. How having Hunter has healed you? In brackets, just a BFF observation. So, Hunter, if you don't know already, is my little staffy rescue dog which is currently sitting very very chilled next to me and not moving but I think the re oh really well I wish I kind of reached out to um this person I asked this before I kind of got on the podcast but how having Hunter has healed me I got him at the end of a very very like challenging year last year and I think before dog I kind of got how like you love your dog and blah 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 but now I've really had a dog and I've been a dog mum I really do understand what they do for people um and how much like joy and value and like happiness and love they bring into your life the probably the main thing I would say is that 
it gave me like a sense of purpose again, which sounds like really like deep and stuff, but it really did give me that sense of purpose because I had to get up in the morning and he had to be the priority, had to make sure that he went for a walk. And because I was taking him out in the, you know, in the parks and all that sort of thing, regardless of the weather, being outdoors was so good for me as well. It got me moving. Um, it gave me like my little time of like me time. So I'd, I would, I would usually not be on my phone as much. Like, you just can't not be happy when he's around because he's just so happy to see you. It's really weird. I can't actually explain it, but he definitely has healed me. And it's very interesting that this um, person said that and I will be kind of messaging her after just being like, expand on this. <laughs> but um, no, he's he's such a happy chap and the amount of like love he gives is unconditional and I still don't understand how dolls can be so excited when you come back home. It's like you've never been home in your life. Don't get it at all. But no, he's great. Whenever like I feel stressed or I just need some downtime, like he's just there and it's amazing. So yeah. He has been the best thing that's happened for a long, long time. So, love him very, very much. Right. I'm going to move now into my Not Just a Bikini Girl Instagram account. Let's go. How many have we got? Okay, not too many. Okay, the first one is just one word, which is prep. I'm not too sure how to answer that one. So, I'm going to move on to... How to choose a coach. So many popping up, it's difficult to find the one, inverted commas. I think choosing a coach is like dating. Like, you have to go through a a few bad frogs sometimes to find, like, your prince or your princess. And I think that is very, very common when it comes to finding coaches because what, what they put on social media can be very, very different to the experience that you get, which is obviously really, really frustrating but to be honest, anyone that's been on my podcast, I'm very, very picky with who I have on. And whoever's been on my podcast, who is a coach, I I would personally recommend them. If I really, really had to nail it down to like, I don't know, two people, then hands down, it would be my husband, Joe Jeffrey, just because I see him day in, day out, what he does with his clients, how much knowledge he has. It's just ridiculous to me still. <laughs> but I know that like, only because if I if he wasn't so close to home, he would 100% be my coach. But I always have this thing, it's like, don't shit where you eat. Um, and I think it's nice for me to have Cal from The Muscle Mentors because he links well with Joe. They consult, well, Callum consults with Joe a lot on different like topics and stuff. So for me, it'd be Cal from The Muscle Mentors just because I've had him this year. He's been awesome. And also... Jay Jeffrey, which is my husband. And I know that's biased, but at the end of the day, I find it very, very difficult, especially when you hear some like stories of other male coaches. And for me now, even though, yes, like I put photos up on social media and all that sort of thing, I think a check in photo every single week in your like your underwear, whatever, you're in the comfort of your own home. And you know, it is quite a vulnerable thing to do. And I only feel comfortable really doing that with certain males like Cal, like my husband Joe obviously but also like female coaches so yeah like feel free to drop me a line if you are listening to this and if you want like a bit more I don't know like guidance then I can kind of tailor it down to like right these are the sort of people but I think don't get too caught up coach wise don't get too caught up with 
how many wins they've had or how many pro wins or, you know, all that sort of stuff because it doesn't, just because it, they've won, like they've, so just because they've helped loads of clients win, it doesn't necessarily mean they're the best coach from a health perspective. You know, it, it can be a little bit pro bro sciencey sometimes. So yeah, take your time. If they have a podcast as well, I do think that's quite helpful because I think if you get to know the way that they think, the way that they like, not talk, but you know what I mean? Like the, their mannerisms and the way they are as a person, then that can help as well. But yeah, send me a message and hopefully I can help. Okay, next one. Dating when you are a competitor. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I'm not I'm not the best person to ask, answer this purely because I've been in a relationship for way too long. No joke. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have been in relationships um, and it has, I've not never really had to do dating while doing it. But off the top of my head, I would probably say, don't go straight in with the, I compete. That's just my personal opinion. That's the way that I would personally do it. Because it's not the only part of you and you don't want them to think that's the only part of you, if that makes sense. Also, when like you are a competitor, like if you're in prep, then, you know, unless they're like, how do I put this? The thought that I'm on right now is if I was really, really close to my show, would dating be my top priority? No. To be, to be really honest, it wouldn't. I'd like to kind of just get into my zone and do my thing. But I think trying to kind of educate... If a, if a person that you're dating is into fitness, I think that kind of does help the education process because they've kind of... They might have some level of understanding. But I think it is difficult if you are trying to date someone that maybe isn't in the sport at all or isn't into fitness at all. I think that dynamic personally from what I've found from other people that I've spoken to as well can be quite difficult sometimes because I don't fully get it. But at the same time, I think the key qualities you need to be looking out for is someone that's quite positive, quite chilled. You need someone that's open-minded. Even if they're not into fitness, if they're quite like ambitious themselves, then they will get that level of discipline that you have to kind of apply when you are competing. I think that would kind of help. And, you know, just be aware that you're probably going to get, if you are dating, you are going to have to do a lot of like kind of education work with them to show them the process. They might have some misconceptions about certain things, but at the same time, you might have misconceptions about their sort of life as well. So it's kind of, yeah, I think that's probably going to be the best advice I could give, considering that I've never been in that situation before. But I know that the other Martina, I should definitely get her on the podcast, actually, because she has done dating in prep, in off-season, and she could probably advise a lot more. Right, next one. What to wear for your photo shoot and how to prepare. So what to wear... It depends how confident you are when you first go into it. You want stuff that's going to, I personally think it's good to go for stuff when you are doing your first photo shoot, which is quite simple. You don't want to overcomplicate it and you don't want to be buying a crap load of outfits, getting yourself in a bit of like, you know, a stress because you've got too much and then you take too much with you, then you get really overwhelmed and then you're just not sure, then you're overthinking the whole thing. So I would go for like very basic stuff, depending on the sort of vibe you're going for, but I would go for very basic colours, basic cuts, basic styles and things that are very interchangeable. So off the top of my head, you obviously depends on the vibe, as I said, but black, 
white, grey, beige, nude. You know what I mean? Stick to those colours, I would personally say. And then uh, if you're going to add on like some denim jeans and obviously blue, but you know what I mean? I think stick to basics and stick to stuff that you feel comfortable and confident in and things that are interchangeable. So I personally quite like to have something, for example, um, so the recent photo shoot I did, I had like a black bra with black bottoms, but then I put, I could easily throw on some baggy jeans and it can come and it can kind of develop into its own like separate outfit. Then I could take off those jeans and whack on a crop top or I can put, you know, a baggy hoodie and those sort of things are really, really handy. Make sure you kind of get stuff far in advance so you're not kind of stressing and thinking oh my god is it is everything gonna come in time blah 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 but yeah a lot of times with photo shoots they might have like a certain amount of outfit changes usually it's kind of like three to four so yeah i'd kind of stick to basics stick to stuff that you're comfortable with um high-waisted is always 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 the way to go in my own personal opinion and don't forget as well your shoes, your competition jewellery, your you know, your posing heels, everything, you can take that and it does look really nice when you style it well. So don't feel like you can only use that stuff for show day because you can use it for nights out, photo shoots, all that sort of thing. But yeah, have a look at the blog post about preparing for your, you know, your next photo shoot or first ever photo shoot. And any other questions then just let me know. Right, next one. How do you fully accept your body and yourself as a person? Hun, I need a whole episode for this question. <laughs> How do you fully accept your body and yourself as a person? I don't think you ever fully accept yourself as a person or accept your body, to be really honest with you. I think you can get pretty close. But I think from a competitor point of view, I think... I think the whole process, if you stick to it, you know, prep and off-season, like, over time, you kind of accept that your body is going to go through these certain changes. Accepting yourself as a person, I think it's really fully understanding who you are as a person. Because if you don't know yourself, you can't accept it. Even, like, the, the bad stuff about you or, you know, the flaws or whatever you want to call it. Oh, God, this is such a hard question. I feel like I'm not even answering it properly. What I've learned, in in particular for this year, is taking time out for myself, doing stuff that I enjoy, and allowing myself to have those moments or those days when I'm not being massively productive and I don't feel like myself and really kind of analysing, like, why I do certain things. And, yeah, that level of self-awareness, I think, is really, really important and having those difficult conversations with yourself I think does help you in the long run accept yourself as the person you are and I think certain areas you might feel like you're in resistance to so for me in the past I felt like my arty creative self I was always resisting that side and accepting that side and I don't well I I say I don't know why I feel like it was stemmed from when I was very young age my creativity, my artsy side was never really taken seriously and it wasn't fully supportive. So I always kind of, from that, kind of brewed this, you know, I should hide it. It shouldn't be celebrated. It's never going to be a successful, you know, it's not going to be a skill set or something that's going to make me successful, quote unquote. But I think when you're able to pull apart yourself like that, 
then you can accept yourself and allow yourself to accept yourself, if that makes sense. Accepting your body as well. I, d- I don't think you fully ever accept your body 100%. I just don't think that's just my own personal opinion. However, I do think by doing, especially this process this year, from going from, you know, being all in and being at a very, very high level of weight and having to accept that I needed, I needed last year to completely remove all like my competitor self and focus on getting my health in a good spot. Then going through this process this year where I've dieted down, not stage lean, but to a lean level that in an, if I take out the competitor Jasmine within me, I can happily, st- like for right now where I am, I could happily stay like this. If I never compete again, I could happily stay like this for the rest of my life. But I think if you if you get stuck between just doing prep, off-season, prep, off-season, and that being your focus, I think it's actually harder to fully accept your body. Whereas if you kind of take that competitor mind out for a second and be like, right, where would where do I like to sit personally? Like, where's my happy place mentally, physically, all that sort of stuff? Then I feel like you've got a good framework and then when you, you, like, you know when you're there, if that makes sense. So I knew when I got to roughly, like, 154 pounds, I kind of knew that, like, right, I, I, I just could, it sounds silly, but I could just feel it. Like, it was, it, it, I couldn't put, a, I couldn't put an ex- real explanation on it, but I could just feel it. I was like, right, this is where I like to sit. Don't know why, it's just where I am. But yeah, I feel like I've proper rambled on that one, but I do hope some of that has helped. <laughs> answer that question okay next one biggest lessons of 2020 i really should have looked at these before i actually like press record biggest lessons of 2020 mate where do i start like yo it's september next next month and i'm thinking how the hell has this this year i started this year thinking it was going to be a very very different year to what it was where I wanted the business to be, where I wanted other things to be. However, it has kind of been a good lesson for me in terms of getting myself into a good spot with my own my own things, if that makes sense. Having the business take a step back because of the whole COVID situation and shows cancelling, even though that wasn't great because obviously sales did drop, and I won't lie, there was a moment I was like, how the hell am I going to get through this year? At the same time, it did help me prioritise myself and it was a good excuse to focus on myself, not be as stressed and really kind of bring down, like bring myself back down to the core of why I do what I do, what I want to do within the business and the podcast and where I want to be taking things. So I think it's the biggest lesson I would probably say is like stop resisting, like stop resisting. Oh, it's a good quote. I need to find it. I mentioned it on a different podcast, but this quote, I feel like it's been a big lesson for me. And it's, it's just one of those things that I just read it. And for some reason, it's really stuck in my head. So I'm going to read it out to you right now. So you can change your life completely in six months. If you give yourself a little push in the right direction and top it with a whole dollop of self-love and self-belief. Every single accomplishment from anyone, 
ever starts with a type of inner belief no one could snatch away even if they tried. Now, this is the most important part of this quote. So don't you owe it to yourself to at least try. I'm going to say that again. Don't you owe it to yourself to at least try. Now, that bit really got me. When did I get this? Oh, I screenshotted it, shot it in August, but I did find it a couple of um, months before. But that's probably been the biggest lesson for me in 2020 is, you know, just owning it to myself and stop being my own worst enemy and just stop overthinking and stop putting like these past experiences and these past like beliefs and bring them into the present. Having that as a lesson has definitely helped me to kind of, I feel like push past those doubts that would kind of stop me from doing things. So I'm launching a new product line with Compaq and it's an idea I've had all year actually, probably last year as well, but I've just sat on it, literally just sat on it and I'll just keep, I find myself doing this sometimes, I'm just like, I get too bogged down with certain areas that I don't allow myself time to really explore other avenues and that's one thing I'm really trying to do this year is kind of really nail in on the stuff that I enjoy and the stuff that I really want to focus on and the other things, delegate that out And by doing that, it has helped me to kind of get into a decent groove with, you know, the launch is happening at the end of this month and all that sort of thing. So I feel like I'll keep rambling for every single answer. (laughs) But yeah, biggest lesson is owing it to myself to at least give it a go and stop overthinking. That's probably the main thing from that. Okay, next one. Last one as well reverse dieting she's just put reverse dieting please reverse dieting it really it's so hard to kind of give definite this is how you should do it this is how you shouldn't do it because one time I did reverse dieting it went fabulous reverse dieted out really really well had no issues food went up you know gradually so on and so forth three meals were added in and I had no you know, hunger signaling issues, psychological, if that's even the right word. You know, I had no issues with it. Then I did it another time, or tried to do it another time, and my body just was not responding. Like, hormonally, my ghrelin and leptin signals were just all over the place. I found myself really, really stressed with certain things that were going on at the time. So I felt like reverse dieting when I did it at the end of 2018 in comparison to 2017 was that it worked in 2017, but 2018, I had a lot of stresses going on that it actually was making my relationship with food and relationship with myself and general, like, my body felt inflamed because of how stressed I was. And it made me more food-focused because I was just constantly trying to, like, keep to this diet plan and it just weren't working. So was it the right way to go? You know, people have their own different opinions on it. But reverse dieting, it really just depends on where you're at, how you're feeling. Like, there might be... You might be in a quite a chilled zone. Your body might be responding quite well. That you can just, you know, reverse diet in terms of, like, adding food gradually. Well, usually, you you ideally, you want to bring it to maintenance. Now, this is the big thing and something that my husband's kind of showing me I guess and and highlighted to me is when you say maintenance people think oh that means that means like 
adding loads of food. And it's like, well, no, like maintenance is holding the weight as you are right now. So yeah, bringing food up slightly more, more, more. But what I would say is, and I have seen this quite a lot, is people, the coach that they've been with has been great for prep, but when it comes to reverse dieting, they haven't been a good match. And then people just try and kind of sack off the coach and be like, oh, I'll be fine, I can just do this by myself. No. Whether you want to stay with the coach that you're with right now when you go through prep or not, you need, I personally think you need to have someone that's going to guide you whichever way you go about doing this reverse diet, quote-unquote. You need someone that's going to understand the challenges that potentially could be arising, understand the need to get your body to a good place from a health perspective and a you know, from the mindset perspective as well, and be with a coach that's actually going to help you, you know, maintain a good relationship with food and hopefully improve it as well and diminish that food focus over time. I'd say they're probably like the main things that I would say is really, really important. But yeah, even coming out of like this reverse like diet show stage right now, it has been pretty chill and it has been a lot easier. I'm not going to lie. I was very nervous actually coming out of another kind of dieting phase. I was like, I don't know how, you know, I don't know how I'm going to feel. I don't know how I'm going to respond, blah, blah, blah. But because I've been quite relaxed and chilled and freestyle about it, in the sense that, you know, putting milk in the coffee, I've not been tracking, I've not been going like a OTT with it. If I have been hungry, then I just have a portion of protein. You know, get a bit of chicken and salad, and it's absolutely fine. Those sort of things, and not being so hard on myself, has really, really helped me, especially with this reverse dieting phase, and just helping me to relax a bit more with it, I'm not afraid to take deloads and, you know, if I need an extra rest day, I'll just take it now. Whereas I was quite, I think when you first start start out, you kind of, you want to be that good client, don't you? Like you want to stick to everything and be so anal. Whereas sometimes you need to listen to your body. And if your body's tired, then, especially if you're coming out of a diet as well, like you need to be honest with your coach and they need to work with you. So you're not putting yourself in this position where your body is so systemically stressed that, your body isn't going to actually respond very well to that. So yeah, I'm going to leave it there. But thank you so, so much to all these questions. I've got a massive, massive variety. So this was epic. So thank you so, so much. And I hope the answers have been helpful. Again, I am going to leave the blog link for the photo shoot kind of like inspiration post that I did. But again, I still can't believe this is a hundredth episode it's mad but um yeah stay tuned thank you as always for listening supporting and the amount of times that your comments and feedback and reviews have motivated me and really really made my day sometimes really really do appreciate it and it does mean the world so thank you so much here's to another hundredth hundred a hundredth (laughs) even a hundred episodes in girls I still cannot put a sentence together half the time but it's all good just shows that you do not have to be 100% perfect to get your voice out there on podcast but anyway lots of love chat to you all soon and here's to another 100 episodes